sins away. Oh, say much I'm glad. From the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries, this is Making a Difference. And I'm Dr. Shelton Smith, the president and editor of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries. We're delighted to have you along with us today. Our subject for this week, I've entitled it, The Forever Factors. There are some things, very temporary, they come, they go, they don't last, but there are some things that God has given to us that are everlastingly present. Yesterday, we looked at the subject, the everlasting God, and uh, we made clear the case that God is God. The God who is God is really everlasting from eternity past to eternity future. Now, today, we're going to look at another everlasting from the Bible, and this one is found in Jeremiah chapter 31. We'll get to that in just a moment. Just a quick announcement about the National Sword of the Lord Conference, which comes July 18 through 21. And I hope that you're going to make plans to be with us at Gospel Light Baptist Church in Walkertown, North Carolina, in the Winston-Salem suburbs. It's a great facility, a large auditorium, and we hope you'll come and bring your family. You'll be blessed if you do. Seventeen main speakers in four big days, morning, afternoon, evening sessions, and I look forward to seeing you there. Now, at the same time, if you'd like a sample copy of our Sword of the Lord newspaper, I'll give you an address at the end of the broadcast where you can request it, and we'll get it out to you. So today, we're looking at Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse number 3, and the subject that we're looking at today is the everlasting love. It is a factor that all of us must encounter, all of us must experience, and that is love in one shape, form, or another, and the Lord tells us that His love is everlasting. Verse 3, Jeremiah 31, "...the Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. So Jeremiah said, the Lord made clear to him that his love was everlasting and that he had drawn to him in a loving, kind kind of a way. And that is obviously the way that the Lord works. I'm reminded of perhaps the greatest, most quoted passage in the Bible about love. In John's Gospel, chapter 3, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, all of that is predicated upon the fact that God loves human beings. He loves me. He loves you. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you've done, whatever baggage that you have in your life, I'm telling you without any hesitation, I'm telling you God loves you. Now, you may think yourself unlovely, and you may have done some really unbelievable things that you never should have done. But in spite of all of that, the love of God is available to you, and you can access it because God is not stingy, and He does not approach giving His love in any kind of a prejudicial way, whether you live in America or in some other place in the world, wherever that you live, whatever you are doing with your life right now, I want you to know the love of God is something that is totally accessible to you. Now, in addition to that, we need to take note of the fact that when we experience the love of God, it does something to us and for us about how we deal with other people. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, the Bible says, We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. 
And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. So it does take hold in us. We do do things differently because that we are recipients of the love of God. Whenever we talk about love, the Greeks had uh, three separate words that they employed to express it, and they're very defining words. The first one is the word eros. We have a word in English similar to that. It's the word erotica, and it has to do with physical expressions of love, and particularly sexual or intimate types of expressions. Expression. Now, that word is used often even in the English language. The second word is the word phileo. That has to do with a brotherly kind of love. We talk about the city of Philadelphia. Well, it's two words, phileo, love, and adelphos, which is brother. So sometimes those are tied together like that to say a brotherly love. And it is a neighborly kind of love, a care that one gives, but yet it has has its limits. Phileo is not unlimited. It does impose certain restrictions as it goes. It'll go so far, but it will not go the limit. Now, the big word that is used in the Bible is the word agape. That's the word that's used about the love of God every step of the way. When I read John 3.16 while ago, the word is agape. When I read 1 John chapter 4, the word is agape because we're talking about the love of God. That love is so strong that it literally has no limits. The agape love is the love that God has for us, and it is the love that he wants us to extend to other people as well. So we're talking about his everlasting love. God's love is forever. It is not something that uh, you can find on Wednesday and Thursday, but not the rest of the week. No, his love is everlasting. He loves the unlovable. I'm telling you, whenever we find people out in the world, wherever that they are, whatever that they have done, whatever things that they are into, whatever great sins that they've committed, how much even they may have hated God in the past, God's love still extends to them. And we need to make that case clear that sinners, such as all of us are, we every last one, to some degree or another, are sinners before God. We're sinners by nature and sinners by practice, and yet God loves us. And because he loves us, salvation has been made available through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and we have the privilege to be saved, to be born again, to get into God's family, and ultimately go to heaven when we die because that God loves us. Can I just simply say it over and over again? God loves us. It's amazing. It's absolutely phenomenal, but he does. Now, the love that God has is a love that extends to second chances. You know, sometimes even after a person is saved, they may do something that is totally off the norm. It is totally outside the realm of what a Christian should do. And let me give you a classic example that's in the Bible about that. In Luke chapter 15, you've heard about the story of the prodigal son. Well, let me just make clear. Read that passage and you'll discover the prodigal son was a son all the way through that passage. He was a son when he went to his father and demanded that he get uh, his inheritance. He was a son when he pulled up in rebellion and went out from his home place and went off down the road to nowhere, to the far country. When he got to the far country, he was still a son. When he was in the pig pen living a dog's life, he was still a son. And when he came to himself, he did that because he was a son. He came back up the road 
met with his father, got a second chance, all the while he was a son. So I'm just telling you, even if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, and you know that you're born again, and if you have messed up some way, God is such a great, loving God that he gives a second chance. You can get your life straightened up. Read that passage about the prodigal son, and you'll understand what I'm saying. That's not a lost man. That's a man who was a son every step of the way, and yet he, getting off track as badly as he did, was welcomed back whenever he got back. And that father, of course, in the story is representative of God the Father. And you and I need to understand that God is the God of the second chance. And like the prodigal, if you need that second chance, you come right on back and the Lord will show his love to you all over again. Now, whenever we read in the Bible about the love of God, a passage that comes to my mind is 1 Corinthians 13. And that passage, of course, really has a lot in it that defines love for us. And I'll not take the time to walk through it today, but you may want to read it later. It's a great passage. It tells us a lot of things about the caliber of love that every one of us ought to have because we are learning to love like God loves. And that brings me to say, the Bible says a lot about how you and I, once we've experienced the love of God, that we ought to express his love to others. I want to just touch a few passages right now that will express that for us. Uh, For example, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13, it says, Brethren, you have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9, And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. So there again, love needs to grow, that it may abound, it may be expressed warmly, it may be expressed generously, and that we do that, the passage says, more and more. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 9, the Bible says, As touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. So yes, we learn By watching the Lord, we see his love, we see it expressed to us, and we can copy that. We can just say, God loved us, and we're going to love others as well. In 1 John chapter 4, in verse 21, this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. I've heard people say sometimes, well, I love God, but it's people that I can't stand. Well, dear friends, that may be a cutesy statement, and it may be something that you might even chuckle about, although I'm not sure that you should. But at the same time, I want to make clear to you, if you're loving God like you ought to, you're going to have a good, solid, spiritual attitude toward other people as well. You're not going to be a hate monger. You're not going to be exercising hate toward people, even people that are hateful toward you. You don't have to hate them back. You can show love. You may have to brace yourself. You may have to be firm with them. You may have to push back a little bit, but you don't have to do it in a hateful way. You don't have to be mean just because somebody else is mean toward you. In fact, the Bible tells us, John chapter 13, verse 35 says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. So, Those folks that you go to church with, yes, you need to develop fellowship with them. You need to develop relationship so that you can say, I love my church. I love the folks there. I have a good, solid relationship with them. John chapter 15 and verse 12, 
Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So you see what's going on here in the Bible? I mean, over and over and over again, the love factor. It's something that is to be so much a part of us that it's there every single day of our life. It's there every hour of the day, every minute of the hour. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 12 says, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men. So it's not just our Christian brothers and sisters that we are to have this loving affection for, but toward all men. Whenever you and I go out to knock on doors or to run bus routes for church, whatever we're out there doing, we're giving out gospel tracts wherever we go. When we do that, we do that not in the sense of saying, hey, folks, uh, we dislike you or we hate you. No, 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 a thousand times no. We do all of that with a warm, loving, compassionate spirit, and we do that because we know God's loved us, and we show that toward other people as well. It's important, dear friends, that you and I understand that God's love is unlimited. It is a forever love. And whenever we talk about these forever factors that are available to us because we know the Lord, we have an everlasting God, and He has shown us an everlasting love. Now, tomorrow, we're going to look at another one of these forever factors that the Bible tells us about that'll be a help to us as we go and as we grow in the Lord. I appreciate you being along today. And listen, do write and ask me for a sample copy of our Sword of the Lord newspaper. The paper is in its 88th year of publication, and I think you're going to find, like many tens of thousands of other people do, that it's a help to you. So write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith, at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. Do check us out, too, on our website at swordofthelord.com. And until tomorrow, this is Dr. Shelton Smith, the president and editor of The Sword of the Lord, steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding. God bless you, dear friend, and goodbye for now.